Welcome to the Taproom Post Net Podcast. I am Delta Zero Four, and we will be covering the Nets topic of the week. Welcome, y'all. I am Delta Zero Four, located in the Redoubt of the South. This is Tavern Post Net Podcast, episode 14 19. Every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern, Taprin has an amateur radio HF net. The primary purpose for the net is to promote self-reliance and preparedness in all aspects of modern life. The goal of the net is to share and disseminate information that can help everyone achieve individual independence and self-reliance. During the net, we'll have a topic of the evening, so this podcast is a summary of the combined knowledge our check-ins share during the Taprin nets. If y'all have questions about Taprin, feel free to go to the following website, www.amron.com. Phonetically, that's www.alpha-mike-romeo-romeo-oscar-november.com. In the beginning of this year, the Amron Group and Taprin Group merged, so you can find Taprin information, including the net schedule and frequency, at the Amron site. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I'll provide y'all a net check-in report, and then we'll finally cover the October 12th Taprin Net topic. And we're back. For October 12th, 2014, Taprin had a total of 43 check-ins from the following states. Seven from Florida, six from Virginia, five from Ohio, four from Kentucky, four from New York, three from South Carolina, two from Georgia, and one each from the following states. Tennessee, Missouri, West Virginia, Mississippi, Montana, Maryland, Minnesota, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Kansas, Texas, and Illinois. Thanks everyone for checking in. Before we cover our topic, I have two reminders. First is Taprin Voice is switching to 80 meters starting October 26th, so we'll be around 3.818 lower sideband or thereabout. Second is the Taprin Digital Net is on the first and third Sunday of the month. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern on 7.078 plus 1200 using Contestia 4 slash 250. The net control station is in Virginia. Check the Amron.com nets page for information on both the voice and digital nets. This week's topic was what alternative power are you using for your rig? While most folks who listen to this podcast probably already have some sort of alternative power for their rigs, it doesn't hurt to go over the basics. We'll break this down into two sections, batteries and ways to charge your batteries. First, we'll cover batteries. There are all sorts of battery options. You can make this as simple or complex as you want this to be. You'll need to decide the type battery, the voltage, and then finally how many amp hours you'll need per day for your rig. When it comes to battery types, most of our check-ins have either AGM or gel. They are sealed and maintenance-free. As long as you keep them at least 90% fully charged and keep them at a fairly constant temperature, like a climate-controlled environment, they are good choices that will last several years. Another type is deep cycle, like a golf cart or forklift battery. These type batteries can be discharged way down. They can take the abuse and are cheaper, but please keep in mind they will not 
last as long as gel or AGM. The good thing about these batteries is there are quite a few used ones out there. For instance, a check-in mentioned if you have a battery shop near you, they typically have single seasoned used batteries for sale. A helpful tip from another check-in is to make sure the used golf cart battery is indeed 6 volts. There are some 8 volt options out there, so make sure you are purchasing a 6 volt. When it comes to buying used, another check-in mentioned to be aware of super cheap blemished batteries. Some of those are heavily used in professional equipment and are not always the best choice due to the shortened lifespan. Another type is sometimes referred to as a floating battery. These used batteries typically come from telephone company switches or cell sites when they swap out older batteries for newer ones. Just keep in mind these are potentially a few years old. Speaking of the age of the battery, some have expiration dates like cell site batteries and some have manufactured dates. So if you are buying used, consider looking or asking for that type information to make an informed decision on your purchase. Another type mentioned was a trolling motor or marine battery. These are kind of a hybrid between a deep cycle and a starting battery. And last is the starting battery. For a few folks, this is their alternative power for their rig. While it may not be the best long-term option out there, it is much cheaper than the previously mentioned type batteries, and just about everyone has at least one. For instance, your car battery. If an emergency comes up and you have no choice, don't forget to think outside the box a bit. Along with your car battery, you can also use a battery from a lawnmower, tractor, boat, motorcycle, a TV or even an RV. Next to talk about is the voltage. We all know rigs run 12 volt DC power. The simplest thing to do is buy 12 volt batteries and connect them in parallel. That means you connect positive to positive. What that does is it keeps the voltage the same and doubles the capacity or what they refer to as amp hours for every battery you add in parallel. If you get a golf cart battery most of those are 6 volts so you'll need to first connect two of those in series to double the voltage. That means you connect a positive to a negative. So then those two batteries become one 12 volt system. Don't forget that for any batteries in series, the capacity or the amp hours stays the same. So first you'll connect two golf cart batteries in series and then you'll place each two battery combo in parallel to increase the capacity. For bigger alternative power systems like big solar or wind power residential systems, some of those battery configurations are set up as 48 volt systems. So if you have that sort of setup and want to run 12 volt DC instead of through an inverter and a power supply, don't forget you'll need some sort of DC converter to take the voltage from 48 volts down to 12 volts for your rig. And last, understand please, I'm no expert on all this, so please research the available options and make the best choice for your rig setup. Concerning how many amp hours you'll need for your rig, that entirely depends on how often you plan to operate your rig per day. Some folks may want to have their rig monitoring traffic 24 hours a day. Other folks may only want to have their rigs on certain times of the day according to their family plan, and yet others may follow the AMRON communications SOI or signals operating instructions. However long you want to have your rig on per day, this is where your rig's user manual will help out. Find out how many amps your rig takes to receive and transmit. Then estimate how much you'll be receiving versus transmitting during an emergency. Don't forget that those 
transmit amps are probably for the max power of your rig, typically around 100 watts. Depending on conditions and who you are trying to contact, if you transmit in SSB voice, you may need the full 100 watts, but if you are transmitting in SSB digital, about the most you'll need is 45 watts, and even better yet, if you are transmitting in CW mode, you can get away with 3 watts or even less. After you figure out your per day estimated usage, you'll also need to think about the percentage threshold that you would prefer to not have your batteries go below. This will keep your battery going for several months in a long-term emergency situation and will also provide you some operating cushion in case of a short-term emergency. And last, you'll need to consider how many days you'd like to run before recharging. If you can afford it, consider adding enough batteries to provide you the amp hours to operate two to three days without having to recharge. For instance, if you are recharging your batteries via solar or wind, weather conditions may severely hinder your ability to fully recharge those batteries. Also think about the seasons of the year. For instance, winter months do not have nearly as many daylight hours as summertime, and depending on your location, spring and fall typically get more wind than other times of the year. This is also something to consider for those of y'all that will be using a generator to recharge your batteries. If you only have so much fuel stored, the longer you can go before having to recharge your batteries, the longer you can go with that limited amount of stored fuel you have. The last we'll cover is ways to charge your batteries. There are so many options available that I won't be able to cover them all or in depth. The most common are generator, solar, and wind. If you go with a generator, make sure you have the fuel you need. Some check-ins mentioned they bought a tri-fuel converter kit for their generator so they are not limited to just one fuel source. Another option is solar. Just in panels alone, the information can be quite daunting. There are monocrystalline and polycrystalline, rigid and flex, plus the various voltage, watts, and size of panels. And then don't forget the charge controller, PWM versus MPPT, plus calculating the size charge controller you'll need for the amount of solar panels you plan to have. The last recharging option I'll mention is wind. One check-in mentioned to make sure to check the specification of the wind generator you are interested in, but in general, the wind power is the cube of the wind speed. So for instance, if the specs say 14 miles per hour winds provide 200 watts, 7 mile per hour winds will only provide you 25 watts. So just keep that in mind if you are considering when to recharge your batteries. Finally, we'll cover a few general comments from check-ins. Don't forget to consider using some smaller batteries to power less power-hungry rigs, like your VHF, UHF rigs. Don't forget about needing to recharge your HTs, your handhelds. Accessories like monitors and laptops will need an inverter of some sort. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, rigs are voltage sensitive, so you may want a power booster like a WF5Y power booster. Consider getting some sort of meter to monitor your battery's voltage, amps, and watts. Also consider looking up and printing out a battery chart where it shows a certain voltage reading is the percentage battery charge. And last, consider having a couple of different options when it comes to recharging, for instance, a generator and maybe a small solar power setup. Then you'll still be able to recharge your batteries even if you have a solid week of rain. As I mentioned before, you can make this simple or complex. So if you are just starting out, please don't get overwhelmed with all these options and calculations. There are several websites out there that have great information when it comes to alternative power. They even provide various calculators to help you narrow down your choices. The most important thing is to have some sort of alternative power for your rig. Then, when and if you want, 
start digging into all the details involved in coming up with a setup that works best for your emergency communications needs. All right, y'all. That is all for this episode. A special thanks to those who checked into the net and provided us all the great information to share. God bless everyone. Until next week, this is Delta Zero Four, clear.